Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Sixth and Peabody back with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. The crew is all here with Outkick. And a big show planned. Kurt Warner, Pro Football Hall of Famer, has a new film out. Uh, he will join us uh, coming up in about 20 minutes. Looking forward to that chat with uh, the former St. Louis Rams quarterback. And now I guess they're an L.A. Ram, right? Is that how it goes? Yep. They were honoring uh, members of that team this past Isaac, week, right? Isaac Bruce uh, got his Hall of Fame ring out there uh, during, I can't remember, his pregame or halftime. Boston Globe columnist Dan Shaughnessy, friend of the show. Uh, he will be on the show today at 3.20 Central Time. Uh, and he has a, a new book out that he wrote during COVID um, about all these stories uh, behind the scenes with the 1980s Boston Celtics and Larry Bird and... Uh, Kevin McHale and, and everyone um, can't wait to chat with him about that and about the um, New England Patriots. Uh, he is famous for coming on our show and saying that the Tennessee Titans were a tomato can game in the wild card playoffs. It was Brady's final playoff game. Joined us on location in Providence, Rhode Island, and proceeded to tell us that it was a tomato can game for the New England Patriots, the traditional get this out of the way and get on to the he division He wrote that round. column annually about whichever it, it, team yeah, it, the Patriots the were facing in That's their right. first game. Didn't matter who. Uh, it was just insert name here. Patriots are on to the next round. Of course, that did not happen uh, the way that Shaughnessy wrote that column. Probably the only time it did not happen uh, in, in that form or fashion. Dan Shaughnessy joins us in an hour and a half. Uh, primary complaint today as well. That's coming up in a matter of uh, a couple of segments, 45 minutes from now. I remember enjoying some New England clam chowder with one Dan Shaughnessy up in the press box. Some of the best press box food in the NFL, according to Paul, who's been everywhere and and Hutton. One of the best. And I remember thinking, yeah, this is the guy who who talked about the tomato can. He's exactly who he says he is. He is a guy who just always, uh, he's got that sort of wet blanket feel to him about everything with his demeanor. And uh, I... I appreciate the consistency. Oh, the book is terrific. I I it is was very up good. long last night. I just kind of pick a random spot because I know we're all reading sections of it. Picked a random spot, read more than I anticipated getting to before I fell asleep. And I've done this before and meant to mention it to you guys. It's really embarrassing, but I think also funny. We all have ways of messaging ourselves, our, our notes, right? I don't have a notebook out in bed reading this book on my iPad. But I want to take some notes to remind myself some stuff I want to cover. And so I, I'm reading it on my iPad and occasionally flipping over to uh, text myself notes that I want. And I'm texting myself. And as I'm texting myself, the three dots come up that you see when somebody's texting oh, and so, you. Someone's typing you back. And I'm like, 
Oh, somebody's texting me. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if this is going to be interesting. You know that whole, there's there are studies done on the anticipation. Those three dots. How, how exciting call. it is. Yes, the, and the how dopamine genius Apple yeah. is to have created that. When you see, like, and you're in a conversation, if somebody's writing you back, or the disappointment you feel if you see the three dots, and right. then the three dots go away. It's a big thing in movie and TV shows. Right, now. TV the shows. Show the dots come up and then go away, and then the disappointment. Right. So I'm looking at the three dots with anticipation, and I'm like, No, you're texting yourself, you idiot. That's you creating the three dots. So really look at the dopamine hit I got just so I could do it to myself. Well, look see, what's great is... <laughs> There's other things I do to, in bed once in a while that, that creates this sense of anticipation. I, I, what's funny, though, Paul, is I... Yeah. I could have Teresa too. was there last night. I'm the idiot. <laughs> I'm the idiot, Paul, who so thinks no, that... So no anticipation. She's I, sound asleep. I'm the idiot that thinks that you were texting a Paul Klingman or Paul K something else on accident. and they were yeah. they were going to respond with notes about why are you sending me this about the 80 Celtics teams yeah. out of nowhere I haven't talked to you in 30 years or you know 15 years what's going on and instead it was it's you funny uh, with the dots to yourself I, I mean I've come to respect Larry Bird in a new way obviously this always happens right I hated him in the moment because he was consistently beating my team I come to respect him later but I was also sitting there last night reading this saying I'm absolutely enthralled by these insider stories about Larry Bird, who at this time, when he's doing these things, I detested as much as any athlete in the world. And now I'm sitting on, I'm on the edge of my seat like it's a, a suspense novel. Well, it's also, it's also refreshing to read stories of reporters' accidents. Oh. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's unbelievable the access he had. I mean, that, uh, yeah, it's depressing. Then I go out and stand behind a railing. That's not <laughs> with and, and, the stick. And, you know, you've not, got the, you've got Titans like, media number four telling you to wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, after two minutes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Two minutes are up, sir. Um, the, 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 these uh, removing chairs from behind you while you're doing a show. I'm not purpose. referring to like John Feinstein getting excellent access for a book like that, that's pre-approved this and he's behind every the day. scenes. This or, is four beat writers. You know, on Rocky, on Rocky Top's a good example of of Clay going behind the scenes with Fulmer in Tennessee. Right, like there's just uh, different aspects of of that reporting and 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 that writing compared to what Shaughnessy did, which is just go back through all of his memories, his memory bank. That was stored up because of the behind the scenes, off the record in some cases, access that he was given. And he goes back through this years later and is able to put it uh, on paper. I, well, Bird had his hand great. taped at one point. He had something going on with a finger and he had a finger taped. And Shaughnessy's a tall guy who had some basketball yeah, playing background, right? And he got to talking with Bird about this tape. And he said, if you tape those fingers all together, how do you think you could shoot? And taped your thumb to your palm. How do you think he could shoot free throws? And he said, why don't we find out? And they went and had a free throw shooting contest where Shaughnessy got out to a little bit of a lead, but Bird obviously <laughs> found his rhythm, beat him, won $160. Bird with a paddle hand yes, beat him? beat him. Won <laughs> 160 bucks. Won 160 bucks. Shaughnessy went, called his editor, told him what story he was writing about losing this free throw contest to him and his mindset going into the playoffs. And he couldn't expense the 160 bucks as lost money, but all of a sudden he had uh, 10 meals with Robert Parrish at 20 See? bucks and expensed. Now, I'll never have a story like that in my life. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, well, we'll go down memory lane with Dan Shaughnessy. That's coming up today at 320 Central You know time. when you're a kid, sometimes you get gifts. You have no say over your wardrobe, for instance, and you just look back in pictures and you were wearing something that made no sense yeah. that – 
your parents or an aunt or uncle or your grandparents oh, you gave you. You missed a big collar. Well, this one, every time I think about Larry Bird, I, I think about this. So I'm a huge Larry Bird fan now. But as a little kid, I liked Magic Johnson over Larry Bird. And I, I don't know where this for racial harmony. comes from. But because um, the, we were having this discussion, I must have been like six or seven, tiny you know, kid, just starting out in elementary school. And someone was talking about Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, and I was talking about how I'm a big Magic Johnson fan. For my birthday, I was given a full Lakers purple Magic Johnson uniform. And I'm talking, this was like Walmart quality. There are photos of this where these, you know the old uh, youth basketball this is kind of our era, Hutton. Polyester. The shorts, like the polyester that oh, you yeah. would get in the t-shirt material. <laughs> really bad material. This was a full Lakers. We're talking short shorts. These were basically, uh, as my daughter calls them, bundies. These were like the training underwear that you would wear. <laughs> they were that short. And a Magic Johnson purple jersey. Just before or after And I would just go women's. and like try to dribble a basketball in the front yard of my house in this full oh. Walmart knockoff Magic Johnson jersey. Fancy you know and I look back now and I look back now and I think I was a huge Jordan guy and Bulls guy. Why on earth would anyone get me? Probably because I said I like Magic Johnson more than Larry Bird once and someone went on, you watch it Full Magic Johnson. <laughs> Not just the, the tank top jersey, short shorts, everything. I'm surprised I didn't have Tear the away old, sweat. the old like, you know, Kurt Rambus uh, glasses to go with the warm-ups also. Breakaway pants. It was ridiculous. It was an awful look for a six-year-old or, you know, a grown man not named Magic Johnson. It was a bad look for anyone not, that's not Angie, Magic Johnson. Angie, if you're, if you're listening, we'd love for you to send Angie, this photo Angie to Angie would Jacob. not have it. It would be my parents. I'll, I'll look for it. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll hey, tweet it out to you guys if I find I it. I bet your mom would send us this photo because she's upset about you making fun of other photos Oh, today. my gosh. So my parents, they, they love Gatlinburg. <laughs> my parents love Gatlinburg more than, uh, more than Old Smokey loves Gatlinburg, who does very well there. <laughs> they go probably three times a year, and they always go during the middle of a week. Um, so they're up there on a, a Tuesday and Wednesday night. They like to go up, you know, beat the crowds, <laughs> whole thing, get as much taffy as they want, hit up the old mill. Paul doesn't go to Gatlinburg a lot, so there's places... It's a great, it's, I like Gatlinburg too. It's fun. But uh, my mom is sending pictures back to our family and it's just in the picture. It's just my dad in, in front of mountains. Then it's my dad. Posing. It's I mean, my no, dad the, the, in front of the leaves what, are cut. You what know. was it? A carriage in one of them? There was a it's carriage like a and then there's just the, the hills, the rolling hills. But Portraits I, of your dad. I responded. I said, this is hilarious. And my mom said, why is it so funny? <laughs> And I said, because you took individual photos of my dad like he's an elementary kid at, on a field trip. <laughs> what you did this summer vacation. This. And my dad's not smiling. He's just sitting there looking he's uncomfortable in, in front of mountains. And looking I said, for a cornhole Mom, board. have someone take both of your pictures together. It's less uncomfortable that way. They may be watching right now in their chalet in Gatlinburg. Please if, send if a are, photo of uh, hello, Magic Johnson. And I'll probably be getting a text here soon with my mom even more <laughs> angry at me. But just get someone to take the picture. It's a lot less... Is it not the weirdest thing for an adult to like get your just solo picture solo. made? Well, I mean, if she took one of Without him and else? he took one of her, then you'd oh, have no. pictures of... I each. guarantee you, my father, Tom Withrow, is not saying, Hey, Debbie, let me take your picture <laughs> over here. Why don't you go get in front of this nice mountainscape? It's a great landscape for hey, us right if now. If we're going parents, so your mom won't be upset, I'll, I'll say a bit about my mom. I have this thing now with my mom. If, if We can only have a one-topic conversation per text. Like we were talking about something, and then like I just changed the subject, and she got thoroughly confused. She's like, what does this have to do with that? And I said, 
absolutely nothing. I have changed the subject to something else. And she's like, I'm really confused. I'm like, Mom, we were talking about A, and then I stopped talking about A, and I began to talk about B. <laughs> no, she's it, like, I'm really struggling with in this. In defense of your mom, <laughs> you can be very confusing via text because you're usually very brief. You'll just say we the minimum amount of words, and then, it's, and then sometimes it's like, what is? I don't know what Paul's talking about at this moment. They were so thorough you gave on topic th- A, so he, he was ready to go to B. I was ready to go to B. You jumped I, off I, I had a message B. for B, but I, it was a bad thing. Apparently, I just need to let it go for a few hours, then I'm allowed to start a new conversation on topic B. I'm going to call her today. We're going to have a conversation on the phone about this. College football playoff, uh, the latest standings uh, announced last night in between the games at the Garden. Uh, Georgia remains number one, Alabama number two, Oregon up to three with Michigan State's loss. Ohio State jumps into the four spot with Cincinnati moving up a spot as well. So everyone just moved up so after Oregon Michigan State dropped. So Oregon is just permanently stuck ahead of Ohio State because of that win. Did they have any idea when they scheduled that game, well, if they won it, the glory that would come the, with it? Because Ohio is, State could now beat a bunch of really good teams <laughs> while Oregon does nothing, and will Ohio State? I understand the head-to-head thing, but does there come a point where Ohio State's resume overcomes that but loss? This, this is where they contradict themselves, and you can't do it based on head-to-head because Michigan lost to Michigan State, and Michigan State loses and falls behind Michigan. Right. So, so does that happen to that. Oregon? <laughs> I mean, that's just you can't go based on. Does it happen head-to-head. the other way? If Ohio State, if and when Ohio State beats Michigan, is that a strong enough? Win well, when to Ohio State the loss to beats Oregon? when Ohio State beats Michigan State, right? Even and then eventually Michigan. Then you got to flip it and say, well, now the wind show, you, it's no longer head to head, just like it they're saying it's no head longer head to head with Michigan, Michigan State, considering Michigan State beat Michigan and they're now behind them. The in, thing in the that rankings. really intrigues me is what Vegas thinks about the, the college football playoff, because immediately they give you like what the line would be if they were playing, if this were the playoff. Um, Georgia and Ohio State, Georgia would be favored by eight and a half. Over Ohio State. Now, to me, that's a better game than Alabama Oregon. Oh, it is. Right? Uh, Alabama Oregon. Alabama would be favored by uh, ten and a half points. <laughs> See, and Georgia ne- should have the field. easiest game. And Georgia neutral should field. have the easiest game, right? Now, automatically, I mean, Georgia. They have the easiest look, game. Georgia at this point, they got to choke to not win at all. Yes. From what I've seen with all these teams, every team is flawed other than Georgia. Georgia has no flaw. But you'd rather play Oregon than Ohio State. By a lot. Oh, yes. Well, here's okay. Here's here's my takeaway from this. It's not about what team. What this is what the college football playoff committee. This is their dream at night. That four pack, mm-hmm. two SEC teams, one major team from the Midwest in the and Big Ten with a big West. following, and one West Coast team. That is the TV man's dream, right there. I that is know. exactly wouldn't, what they want. Is that top four? It's not. It, it's probably not going to stay that they way. Sacrifice the West Coast for no, another Oklahoma, Big Ten team. Oklahoma is at eight right now, which that's not good for Oklahoma. They still have Oklahoma State. They've got they Iowa, Iowa State. State. They've got Baylor coming up, and they've but got Oklahoma, their three toughest games left. Oklahoma, who has their three toughest games left, remains unbeaten, and Michigan and Michigan State have lost in consecutive weeks. Once head to head, Bobby Carpenter sure called that. And Oklahoma that, uh, stays at eight. Michigan State loss. He called that Purdue. Yeah, with Purdue, yeah. And Cincinnati sits there at five, waiting on chaos. With nothing. Waiting on chaos. Nothing good coming. We'll get more into the college football discussion coming up. Uh, We have uh, some Titans news and notes uh, locally with uh, Adrian Peterson back on the practice field and uh, Josh Reynolds being released and some other other things going on there with uh, Ryan Tannehill speaking to the media today. They are the number one seed currently in the AFC. 
Uh, and a little bit later in the show, we mentioned Dan Shaughnessy will join us. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr., officially a free agent. There are three teams that uh, have, it sounds like, have made at least some offer. Uh, one of them, I know, is just the veteran minimum offer. But he's got a decision to make on a couple of teams. Uh, and Dalvin Cook in the in the headlines. And so are uh, the reporting aspects of this. Yep. We will we'll dive in to the Dalvin Cook uh, issues going on in Minnesota and uh, how it's been handled from the national media's perspective over the last 24 hours. But when we come back, Kurt Warner, Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback, joins us on OutKick 360. Primary complaint in 25 minutes. OutKick 360 rolls on. Kurt Warner will join us in a matter of minutes here on the show. He uh, has a new film coming out on... His life story. How bizarre would that be? Like, put yourself in his situation or anyone, and you have a you you have a movie that will debut on Christmas Day about you and your life. Well, as it unfolded, everybody said this is a movie, and lo and behold, it it's it, also it is a movie. I would have such a hard time uh, just if you lived everything watching on the big screen as the emotional music plays. Yeah. I would just feel yeah. so ridiculous watching someone play me in emotional moments in my life, and then you know the drums hit, and then you take the field, and you've got the the score behind it, and I would just be laughing if it were me watching because I'm thinking I, I just couldn't take myself that seriously. The name here is Anna Paquin plays Brenda, the guy who plays Kurt. I I am unfamiliar with you Zachary might, Levi. You he was um, Chuck. On NBC, that show was ah, for years. He's, he's got Chuck. a little that fuller face. Yes. He's got yeah. a little fuller face now. My wife loved that show, Chuck. He's good. He's yeah. on uh, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel also. But there's some Is other, yeah. there's some other actors playing? in this. He's the, the doctor. Eye. He's the doctor that the family wanted uh, her to, 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 her to get with. <laughs> We're talking about a show that not everyone watches. That's a great he's show. He's the Dino, the doctor. Well, doctor. Oh, yeah. That's the a terrific they, show. They want to get, get the kids together. I enjoyed the movie more than I expected, to be honest with you. I uh, watched it last night on my laptop after this is the first screener I think I've ever watched. So it has your name across it after you go through the login process and everything. But I was trying to get it on my iPad so I could then throw it onto my TV and <clears throat> I couldn't get it to work on the iPad. I actually talked to like I have a little help thing and then I had to watch it on, on my laptop and then I opened my, my second to last chance in Google uh, instead of in Chrome, instead of in Safari, so I couldn't throw it onto my TV. So I just watched it on my laptop. The other thing that comes to mind is the all, all the viewings of this movie that you would have to go through. Right by the uh, think about the oh, screeners. Yeah, this doesn't come out to December, and we're able to watch it now in advance of the chat with Kurt. And I'm thinking, how many times does he have to sit there and watch this, or the director, or? Anybody involved, the producers, anybody involved with the film to the point where you just have to stand up and go, you know what, I just, by the time the movie debuts, you're tired of it. Well, you hear actors talk about it all the time. The thing about seeing it at the end, you're not really watching the movie, you're watching the people react to the movie. Well, think about the Top Gun. Like they've been they've been promoting that for how long? Yeah, we sat with him on well, Super I don't Bowl know Row that, at the last Super Bowl. Is there we a final to? cut that's done now? You talk, I don't know anybody's seen somewhere. it other than the director and the editors of whatever the final cut's going to look like. I don't like. even remember where that They've Super Bowl was where we so had long. them on Super Bowl row. It's Miami. Miami. Two we Super had Bowl. January yeah. or February of 2020, right? By the way, Anna Paquin plays Kurt Warner's wife Brenda. in this movie. Uh, Academy Award winner. For the piano. Uh, yes. 
I went and looked that up. And I'm thinking Anna Paquin. I remember from True Blood. She was very young yes. on HBO. Is where a lot of people will remember her work from that show. Paul, she's also a Columbia graduate. Did you know that? I think I did know that, though I wouldn't have been able to tell you off the top of my head. But now that you mention it. Um, but while we wait on Kurt, Chad, you were telling me that Penn State's upset with the, <laughs> with the, the college football playoff rankings this where they're not just, included uh, in the top 25. This is so ridiculous. I, uh, I, I've seen this chatter from Penn State fans about being upset that they're not you know, 24th or 25th <laughs> in the rankings. And I'm thinking, is there anything that's more overblown then that that fake line from 25 to 26, 26. and how yeah. important that is to people. It's something for and a school that's the, never been in. If you've never been in but, the top 25, that's a big deal. If you're yes, Penn State, for the fans, but no. also it's so stupid because the committee looks at it that way. You have this many wins over the top 25. Well, what if you won at number 28? It's the same thing. These teams are the same. It's an arbitrary Arkansas is 25 in Penn State. Look at Arkansas and Penn State next to each other. Very similar. And some of these polls. Who cares who's 25? You know how much effort people put into voting for number six, better yet, number 25, the SID who's filling out somebody's ballot, right? Or the coaching there, secretary. There is a definite validation oh, yeah. of 25 versus 26. Well, Chad's okay, right. here's, but here's the, what bothers sure. me about it. If you're looking at big wins, quality wins, whatever, uh, let's say Alabama, for instance, who, I don't, have they played Arkansas yet? Or they're still, they're, they haven't played Arkansas? Not yet. Okay, but they're going to beat Arkansas, all right? Let's say they beat Arkansas. Arkansas is currently 25th. I, I bet you if they kept going in the rankings, Tennessee's like 28th. They're right there. They're right outside the top 25 at 5-4. and four. Well, a win over Tennessee and a win over Arkansas. Same difference. It's good wins. I mean, those, those teams aren't bad. They're about the same quality of win. But someone, because of that arbitrary line, 25-26, to 26, well, you know, guys, look at that at 25. Well, they got another top it. 25 it's part win. Of how it works. It's dumb. I, I agree it's that also it's dumb, dumb but it's, it's, it's more dumb to be upset about not being if you're Penn State, 25th. If you're a team that's never been in the top 25, I can understand it. Yeah, be like more upset right that your the... coach wants to leave. Yeah, I don't know. If you want to get something to actually get riled up about, be upset about that. That's what I'd be upset about. Just going through the SEC schools, uh, Texas A&M just outside the top 10. We didn't list them earlier uh, at 11. Ole Miss at 15, so they're right where they were. Auburn's at 17 now, and just keep going through Arkansas Auburn. down at 25. There's a lot of Big Ten teams in the top 25. It's what's Except so, for Penn State. We'll have a, we'll have a bigger hit. <laughs> That's why they're so mad. You mean to tell me that well, win at Wisconsin to open the season doesn't get us there? Wisconsin, Wisconsin Purdue, Iowa, uh, they're all in the top 25 now. No Penn State. There's, um, there's a bigger discussion that we're going to have on the Alliance, that's what they're calling themselves, yep. holding up this expansion uh, to, to, to 12 teams where they're saying, well, now maybe we want eight or maybe we don't want expansion at all because it makes no sense for the Big Ten. The Big Ten's going to end up having as many teams as the SEC in a 12-team playoff. They, they lose out by, by doing this because they're upset about the SEC doing something that the Big Ten would have done if Oklahoma and Texas wanted to join their conference. They've done the exact same thing. Odell Beckham Jr. is a free agent expected to sign uh, later today. And, and we're keeping an eye on this throughout this afternoon. So I'm looking through the, the teams that are interested. According to Diana Rossini, there are three teams that are interested, and the, the Packers remain number one on his list. According to reports, Tom Silverstein, 
reported that the Packers have made a contract offer to Beckham for the league minimum, the veteran minimum. So if he if he indeed has Green Bay number one, and that's where he wants to play, he has an offer on the table from Green Bay. Um, the other teams, though, the Chiefs and the Saints, are the two other teams interested in Chiefs. Odell Beckham Jr. Chiefs, Saints. Saints. I mean, I'm telling you, the Chiefs are a heck of an opportunity because you can go and and throw them over the top, per se. Play with Mahomes, be that weapon that they're missing. I, I understand that Green Bay's got a similar situation, but <clears throat> Green Bay's already good, right? You can go and help solidify Whoa. Green Bay. Kansas City is is waffling. Kansas City is wobbly. And if you go and throw help throw Kansas City over the top, I think you'd be more impactful, potentially more impactful with the Chiefs. Well, let's go back to what Hutton's argument was yesterday that it's less about team and culture and more about quarterback. Yep. Well, you win either way there. New Orleans? Not no, in New Orleans, no. no. He's talking Kansas about City Green Bay or Kansas City. Okay, but New Orleans is in the mix too. So we're yeah, crossing I, them I, off? I, well, <clears throat> well, no. Because he's from New, New Orleans. Orleans. New Orleans can offer him more money too. And he's from New yeah, Orleans. So we'll see how much it's about the quarterback and, it's a big and deal how much for the it's Saints. about winning. The Saints are 5-3. and three, go, but, go, go read Glenn Gilbo at OutKick and read his timeline about how important Odell Beckham Jr. is to the city of New Orleans and to that state at LSU and how much Saints fans want him there. That's a factor. Odell Beckham Jr. seems like a guy who well, loves we'll find love. Out. We'll find out. He's going to oh, get no the love in New that. Orleans. It's going we'll to be a damn rank. homecoming parade when he comes back. We'll find out where things rank in terms of quarterbacks and opportunity, more in New Orleans, uh, money. There's going to be more in New Orleans. Love, 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 love. There's going to be, I mean, he's going to be loved in all three places, but he's certainly going to be, the welcome home factor is, is, is big. There's a lot at play here. It's going to be very interesting to see. But he, uh, let's go with this. I well, mean, his potential how, to play Sunday if you got somewhere this morning. The, the, the other factor, too, is how much is it about winning? You know, aside from the quarterback and the culture and, and hel- helping them win, how much is it about contender? Yeah. And if that's, that's it, then Green, Green Bay should be number, number one. one. Man, uh, Odell Beckham and I, Jr. And I don't know going... how much better Kansas City is to New Orleans, honestly, in that category. Yeah, I, I'm done. I, I think Kansas City's got big problems with or without Odell Beckham, but he's certainly they're better with him. Uh, Andy Reid's good at massaging things, and they've brought in problem children, um, you know, with with great success. Um, and Sean Payton will figure out a way to use him, but that the quarterback uncertainty there. I mean, Trevor Simeon's not going to get it done for the long haul, and Taysom Hill didn't win the job. Well, I, I think Hud's right that this is the test. If it's truly about going and winning a championship and putting yourself in a position to do so, combined with quarterback, you go to Green Bay. I also sit there and say, Green Bay, Wisconsin does not seem like a place for Odell Beckham Jr. I understand he was just in Cleveland, but still. New Orleans seems to make a lot of sense if he's looking for what I believe he's truly looking for, which is someone to tell him how great he is. And it's about love. And it's about a quarterback always throwing his way, possibly. I think New Orleans makes more sense than Green Bay. But Hutton, you're right. If it's truly about winning, he should go play for the Green Bay and Packers. New Orleans is thinnest at receiver, yes? Well, they just Green don't have Bay that second. top flight. Green, Green Bay with Devontae Adams. Uh, yeah, they have uh, a clear cut. Yeah. That's the best receiver. And they've got tight ends who they work second. in. They have a run game. I mean, I, the, but if you, if you get Odell Beckham Jr. to pair as the second receiver mm-hmm. behind Devontae Adams with Aaron Rodgers... 
That's not half bad. Well, so, second receiver with Tyreek Hill. That too. To, with Patrick Mahomes in half bad either. Uh, so with the Browns compared to with the Giants, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, averaged four catches per game with the Browns. Despite how bad it ended, he averaged four per game. He averaged nearly seven catches per game with the Giants during his time there. Receiving yards per game, 54 receiving yards per game with uh, the Browns. 93 yards per game is what he averaged with the Giants. That's massive. And targets per game is really interesting. In New York, they gave him 11 targets on average per game, and he caught seven of them. That's hard to do. Uh, targets per game in Cleveland, seven. So it dropped by five targets, and he caught half as many as well in all of that. But when he was in New York, he ranked top five in the NFL over that span among all wide receivers in receptions per game, in yards per game, and in targets per game. Yeah, and all these games in Cleveland where they haven't played them don't count as zero targets per game because they weren't even putting them out there. Well, that's right. right. That's you know, right. That but, would drive the average down. But when you see that, you're thinking, okay, what uh, what does what value does he bring to your team in week 11? Let's not even say this week. Just week 11, week 12 versus January. There's so much talk and, and now, Hut, about To me, there's this more value idea. there. And I would, I would be, if I'm Green Bay, I would be offering more to guarantee that he's a part of my, ro- my roster if they, if they can, uh, just simply because I know I'm playing in January. Yeah. There's a lot of talk, though, about this January contribution thing. You know, you get one shot in January. If a guy twists an ankle or has a bad day or runs into a good cornerback, same thing with Julio Jones in Nashville. We were talking about it. Titans are in a unique position where they really can start to plan for January. But you have one bad day or get shut out on one day and all you're doing is aiming for that January day. I need more than the one game. No doubt. Uh, but this is, this is more about – this is about two months, right? Yeah. That's all it's this is. It's very short term. This is, this is a rental player. Super short term. I, I would, and you don't get options like this very often with the receiver where you have the true number one guy who's been the number one guy and you're not even really asking him to be number one. Any of these teams would be signing him to be the number two guy, option-wise. Because you're giving Tyreek Hill, you know, he's an extension to their run game in many ways. You're giving him 10, 12 targets a game just on those flip passes that they give. I love Peyton Manning in the Manning cast talking about how he just loves how Andy Reid does that because he says, you get passing yards for this. (laughs) He said, it's amazing. He's like, think about that. You're just flipping the ball out in front of you and Tyreek Hill is catching it. It's a handoff, handoff, but you get passing yards for whatever you gain on. That's a completion. He said, I I love that. From a quarterback's perspective, we love that. Manning would like to go backwards, I'm sure, and change some of the Edger and James handoffs. Think about uh, he may still be ahead of Tom Brady in the record books. If to Edger and James, he just threw it in front of him. Edger and James, his run numbers would be down, his receiving numbers would be up, and he'd still be in the Hall of Fame probably. I'm surprised we didn't see more of that 10, 15, 20 years ago. It's a very modern, modern twist somehow. I don't know. Those old-time coaches that said, uh, you know, only bad things happen when you pass probably still would see some danger well, that's in a going true, that way instead of that way. That's a true uh, involvement of the... Uh, but that's actually a little bit safer because if that goes bad, it could be an incompletion as opposed to a fumble. Uh, our next guest knows a thing or two about uh, big-time completions. Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner joins us uh, with uh, the new film that debuts uh, Christmas Day, December 25th. And uh, looking forward to chatting with him. American Underdog, the improbable path from shelf stalker to... NFL MVP. Kurt, how are we doing? I am doing extremely well. How are you guys? We, we are excellent today in, in Nashville, uh, where 
And thinking back on uh, your career, you're, you're one of those guys who've been a Titan killer over the past uh, several years throughout your career, but you're never truly hated <laughs> here in Music City like other players who came through. Well, that, that is good to hear because <laughs> I'm not taking that one back. Uh, as you guys know, I wasn't able to get my other two. So uh, every time I come back to Nashville, I, I enjoy coming back here because it brings back some really, really great memories. So I, I watched the movie last night, Kurt. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I came away with two big questions about uh, how much things are enhanced and how much things were true to life. Uh, did your college coach hate you going out of the pocket as much as he did in the movie? And if so, why? Because in, you were having success out there. Um, well, yeah, obviously he didn't, uh, he didn't like it so much. Uh, but as you realize in, in a lot of movies is that, you know, they, they have to, you know, the movie takes place in a few short years. So it's kind of a compilation of a couple different characters. So, you know, the biggest part of not staying in the pocket really happened for me in high school. And my high school coach uh, designed the Kill Kurt drill uh, as a drill that was designed for me to have to drop back in the pocket. And I could not move outside the pocket. So my only goal was I could navigate the pocket while the pass rushers came and I could either throw the ball or I had to take the hit. And we would do it over and over and over again. And my teammates would line up uh, whenever we started that drill because they knew it was a free shot on Kurt. Um, but we went through that drill almost on a daily basis because that was so true. That my, my nature, because I used to play wide receiver when I was younger, was I wanted to not get hit. I wanted to catch the ball or have the ball and, and get out of, away from all the junk. Um, and so he created that drill to try to teach me what it meant to play quarterback and how I needed to sometimes stand in the pocket and deliver that pass instead of run out uh, and create. So that is all real life stuff, even though it's kind of you know put into a, a shorter period of time. Those were things that, uh, that were a big part of, of teaching me how to play the game. We'll stick with the theme of coaches not liking the very likable Kurt Warner that we know. Did Mike Martz give you as hard a time as is depicted in the film while Dick Vermeil was putting his arm around you and seemed to be a cheerleader from the start when the Rams decided to bring you in? Mike Martz, in the, in the movie, uh, you called Brenda and said, this guy hates me, and you were not exaggerating. He is made out to be evil in this, in this movie in your initial dealings with him. Uh, that is 100% accurate. Uh, I shouldn't say 100%. He was probably harder on me in real life than he was in the movie. Wow. Uh, there, there is no doubt that uh, that is depicted correctly. And uh, he was really, really hard on me and really pushed me. And there were times. I remember I, I'd leave practice and, and I'd call my wife and go, you know what? Maybe I can't play. I, I really thought I was good enough to play, but every day, I'm getting yelled at. I'm being told that, that, I, that I didn't do this well enough. or being pointed out in film that, that I'm not good enough. And yeah, there were times that I know Dick felt like Mike was riding me so hard that he would come and put his arm around me literally and say, hey, you're doing a good job. Hang in there. Keep battling. And what ultimately happened was when Trent got hurt and I ended up in, in that starting role is that Mike pulled me in for a conversation and he just said, I want you to know that all of the stuff that, that you were, that I was doing and how hard I was on you and the pressure I was trying to put on you was calculated pressure. It wasn't because I didn't like you. It was simply because I knew you were one step away 
from having to be the guy behind center. And I knew your background and where you had been. And I knew there was no way for us to know if you were going to be ready for that spotlight unless we tried to put as much pressure on you as we possibly could. You know, yelling at you in practice, blaming you for different things, coaching other guys through you. You just had to see how you were going to respond to that because that was the best way that we felt uh, or the best way I felt possible to really see what you were made of and see if you could handle that situation. So once I became the starter, he pulled me into that room and told me that. And he said, you know what? That all stops right now. I'm not going to be on you anymore. That wasn't, you know, that's not a part of who I wanted to be. It was just my way to see and prepare you for what's coming now. Um, now, I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know when I was going through it. So it was miserable when I was going through it. Um, but it makes 100% sense to me now that they were simply trying to create every bit of pressure that they could to see if I would break, to see if I could handle that, to see how I would respond with my teammates in those moments. And one of those things that, without a doubt, helped shape me uh, to be the player that I was when I finally took over. The name of the movie, American Underdog, it's out on Christmas Day. And, and Kurt, you really are the American underdog. And when I think about underdog quarterbacks out there, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, Trey Lance, maybe guys who were overlooked, I always sit back and think, I wonder if those guys reach out to Kurt Warner. I wonder if Kurt Warner reaches out to them. And I wonder if Kurt Warner gravitates more towards those guys when you're watching football on Sunday. Because while they haven't lived your story in full, you know what it's like to be underappreciated. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I reach out to every quarterback. doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter if you're an underdog or not. I just – I always look at it when anybody gets to that point in their life where they get a chance to play NFL football. I want everybody to take advantage of it. I want everybody to be great and be able to, you know, to, to tap into me if there's any way that I can help them. But, yeah, I mean, I would say I, I think when you're an under, underdog at some point in time in your life – as most people are, it is so easy to cheer for the underdogs. It is so easy to want to see them do well, to have their own underdog story, to overcome all the odds. So, uh, yeah, I do believe there's a part of me uh, when I watch games or, or when I'm cheering for, for different guys to resonate more with those guys that, you know, either they're getting you know, beaten up in the media, you know, at this point in time, or they're, they're a guy that was a low draft pick, or uh, they were a guy from a small school. Those things do resonate with me, and I'm always cheering for those guys to succeed and, and overcome what they may be dealing with now or, or they have in the past. Kurt Warner, our guest on Outkick 360. Uh, among the quarterbacks right now, Kurt, that are positioning themselves and their team for the postseason, does Baker Mayfield have the most to prove? We were just discussing Odell Beckham Jr. and the next landing spot for him. That's still undetermined. Uh, and we know that they did not see eye to eye. Mayfield now at a turning point of his career, trying to earn that next big contract. We're expecting him to get that in Cleveland. But right now, where they sit in, in the position of the postseason, what, what's at stake for him? Well, I mean, I think really the only thing at stake for you know Baker when we're talking about his individual career is just proven that he's one of the greats. You know, one of those franchise guys is really the only thing he has to prove. He's shown that he can play and start and belongs as a starter in the NFL. He's shown that he can lead a team to the playoffs. He's shown that he can make big time throws in this business. So from all of those things, he is going to start and play in this league for a long time. And he's going to be a good quarterback. 
The question to me, the only thing he's got to prove to me is can he be great? Can he be one of those guys that transcends his team? Can he be a guy that carries his team with his right arm? Can he be a guy that wins championships at this level? That's what he has to, to me, the only thing that he has to prove um, at this point in time. And, and so to me, it's a great place to be. That He's only been in the league uh, a few short years. He's got a long way to go. He's accomplished a lot in a short period of time. And if all he ever proves at the end of the day is that I was a really good NFL quarterback, he's in pretty good company because most guys, uh, yeah, I shouldn't say most guys, because you know that's where you always want to go is you want to be a really good quarterback in this league. And he's got a chance to say, hey, I've done that. Now, can I be great? Can I be one of those guys that transcends the game? Uh, so I think he's in a great spot, a great position. He's proven a lot, doesn't have a lot to prove big picture-wise other than, hey, can he take that next step and become one of those really, really special guys? We're all enjoying the insights that come with the Manning cast uh, on the Mondays that that they're broadcasting. Um and to be able to kind of eavesdrop on a, on a quarterback conversation, wondering if you've been able to watch it some and what it sounds like to a member of the brotherhood uh, hearing quarterback language. Uh, I've only got a chance to see bits and pieces because I actually call Monday night games for, for sure. radio. So I'm usually working when they're working. Uh, but I have seen bits and pieces and, and I love it. Uh, you know, when, when you've been inside and then obviously you're talking about two of the greats of our game as well. Uh, but when you've been on the inside, you'd love to hear that other guys are thinking things that you were thinking. Uh, you'd love to hear the nuance um, that those guys put into the position and the details by which they did their job. You'd love to see the emotions, right? Oftentimes when you saw Eli and Peyton, you didn't see the emotions of the game. You saw two guys that were stoic and played the role of, hey, nothing is going to phase me. I'm not going to let anybody see me sweat. I'm just going to play the game. When you watch the Manning cast, there's times now you get to see the emotions. You get to see Eli up there, you know, kind of dancing and doing his hip stuff. You get to see, you know, the frustration of, of Peyton when somebody doesn't do something. He's like, oh, my gosh, what are you thinking? Why are you doing I love that part of it because having played the game, I understand that completely is that, you know, people would look at me and say, oh, he wasn't very emotional, that, you know, he wasn't a fiery guy. But they don't really know what's inside of the great players. And I think what the Manning cast is doing is allowing us a chance to peer inside what made Eli and Peyton great. And yes, we're learning the game from a different level, but we're seeing a part of their personality. It's a part of their character that you didn't get to see uh, necessarily when they were under center. And that to me is what makes the Manning cast so, you know, so powerful and it resonates with so many people because they're learning so much about these individuals, uh, both football related and uh, personality related. Kurt Warner's story certainly resonates with a lot of people, and you can uh, watch the film uh, debuts uh, Christmas Day, American Underdog, the Kurt Warner story. Kurt, thank you for the time this afternoon, man. Congratulations on all the success and with the film. We look forward to watching it. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Kurt. Kurt Warner has been our guest. Always good uh, catching up with him. Uh, he's been cool with us, a, what, a, several times on the show. Super Bowl Radio Rose. Very polished combines. individual. Very yes. polished. Coming was, up. Uh, a fun conversation uh, a few times in the uh, selection committee uh, because he, his career had a, a donut in the middle. Headlines next on Outkick 360. Kick 360. 
quick segment, and then we hit the headlines that include college basketball tipping off last night. Coach K's farewell tour started with a win for Duke over UK at Madison Square Garden. Kansas cruised past Michigan State to tip things off. Odell Beckham Jr. is a free agent. The Packers have made the veteran minimum offer to him. That's according to reports. It's also been reported by Jordan Schultz that the Patriots and Bill Belichick are extremely interested in the veteran receiver. We'll see if they uh, are also reportedly uh, making an offer or not. The Packers and Aaron Rodgers have been fined for COVID violations. And Dalvin Cook named in a lawsuit citing physical and emotional abuse by his girlfriend. How that was covered is a story in and of itself over the last 24 hours. We will get into that primary complaint in an hour, plus Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe. It's all coming up over the next couple of hours here. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network rolls on from 6th and Peabody.